We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Support for this podcast comes from U.S. Bank. When it's time for a new credit card, the best ones do way more than just buy stuff. And that's why U.S. Bank offers credit cards that make every day more rewarding. Earn cash back. Score points when you shop, dine out, travel, or binge watch. Or get a low intro APR. U.S. Bank credit cards were designed to fit your lifestyle. So make every day more rewarding. And check out usbank.com slash credit card. U.S. Bank credit cards are issued by U.S. Bank National Association N.D. Some restrictions may apply. Member FDIC. Ace is a place with the helpful hardware, folks. At Ace, your backyard's right in our backyard, which means we have hand-picked products that are right for the birds in your neighborhood, like premium bird seed, suet, birdhouses, and feeders. Stop by your local Ace and get everything you need to attract the birds you want, including Ace Wild Bird Food, on sale now. Now through Tuesday only, when you buy two 20-pound bags of wild bird food, get a third bag free, only at Ace, the helpful place. Offer valid through February 28th at participating stores. Rotowire Fantasy Football Podcast. It is Tuesday, December 20th, 2016. I'm Jake Letarski here alongside Derek Van Riper. DVR, thanks for joining me, subbing in for Eric today. Let's get right to it. How many championships are you playing for in Week 16? Uh, one, technically, I think because the NFFC, like the Rotowire Online Championship, mm-hmm. I'm, I want to say 70 or 80 points out of first place. 
mm-hmm. the total points thing over the course of the playoffs. Probably not making up that much ground over that many teams, even if I have a monster week. So yeah. one in the stake league. Yeah, one in the stake league. Oh, yeah, that's right. That uh, Yeah, you'd, you'd definitely beat Kevin this week. I'm out of it in the stake league, but I will be playing, playing for two other championships. One's a hometown league and one's another uh, kind of Madison friends league, I guess you could say, guys that at least think they're serious about a keeper league. Uh, so far, that's what I've got going. I'm not playing in stake league, but I still got points to go for because of the stake bet here. So anyone that's in there like me, uh, it's very helpful and important to listen to this waiver wire podcast so we can keep your points totals and your rosters in tip-top shape even as the season wraps up. But DVR, before we get going into the waiver wire portion, we got to talk about Carolina and Washington. Carolina, you know, pulls off the upset here on Monday night, winning 26 to 15 over Washington. Carolina improves to 6 and 8, where Washington falls to 7, 6 and 1. The Panthers basically need a miracle for the playoffs at this point. They need Green Bay and Tampa Bay to lose out and a Washington tie to make the postseason. And then Washington's now behind Green Bay and Tampa Bay in the NFL standings here. Uh, surprised at all by this outcome, or did you know that Cam Newton and these guys are capable anytime? I just thought they had nothing left to play for, they would phone it in. And for several weeks, if you looked at the over-unders, the lines, it seemed like Vegas was still buying in on this team. I just thought we'd pass the point where you couldn't really buy in anymore. So now they're flashing the ability that I think made people excited about them coming off the Super Bowl run last year. And I, I didn't think they'd go in and win this game by double digits. I thought if they won, it'd be a much closer game than it was. And Washington just laid an egg. I mean, that's just a bad performance from the Redskins really across the board. A couple of really untimely turnovers and... Kirk Cousins needed 47 attempts to throw for 315 yards. Yeah, that's not going to get it done. And I, I thought as well that we'd see a much better performance out of the home team with essentially the season on the line. They just hurt their playoff chances quite a bit here. Uh, on the Panthers' side, uh, a decent amount to like, of course, Cam Newton, 21 for 37, 300 yards and two touchdowns. I'm interested in his matchup next week because the Panthers host the Falcons. And for fantasy purposes, I wanted to see what his psyche and mindset would be before I tried to trot him out in DFS or something like that. Um, but, you know, it looks good enough to me that he's going to be worth going up against the Falcons who are allowing the most points to fantasy quarterbacks this year. Yeah, they've been pretty generous. I know Colin Kaepernick didn't do a lot of damage against them in Sunday's matchup, but I think more often than not, Atlanta's a defense that you do want to stream quarterbacks Absolutely. against when possible. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the rest of this Carolina attack, John Stewart was the star, 25 carries, 132 yards, 5.3 yards a carry. And on the receiving side, Greg Olson, 6 for 85. That's the Greg we all know. The up-and-down roller coaster of Ted Ginn, he had 4 for 64 in a score. And Mike Tolbert got the other Carolina touchdown here from Cam Newton. On the Washington side, the biggest impression is uh, is Jordan Reed getting ejected, costing a lot of fantasy owners their their playoff livelihood here. Once again, I can't understand why you punch someone wearing a helmet. No, that seems pretty dumb. Uh, he wasn't contributing a whole lot anyway. You could tell when you watch the game or if you watch the highlights when he was hitting the ground, he was in a lot of pain every time he tried to make a play. He wasn't heavily involved before the ejection in the third quarter, but just a, a silly way to really take himself out of that game when at the very least he could have been a useful decoy throughout the second half. Yeah, something. Yeah, he wasn't contributing much on the offensive end. I, I dozed off a little bit in the first quarter, woke up in the third quarter. I was like, whoa, Jordan Reed doesn't have a pass yet. He <laughs> must be uh, he must be um, hurt or something. And then I got to look at him, and you could see that the separated AC joint in his shoulder was really playing a big-time effect for him. And, I mean, if you're still alive in the playoffs, do you trust Jordan Reed at all? at Chicago this week. It's going to be bad weather, which is going to be bad news for uh, the shoulder injury. And, and just overall, from what he's done, just one catch in each of the past two weeks. I can't trust him. 
No, I, I really don't. I mean, I think it has to be a pretty desperate situation where you're not really looking at quality alternatives to play in his place where even if he's only out there for 20, 25 snaps, that's better than what you're dealing with uh, otherwise. I mean, that had to be... I don't know. Like, would you rather play Deion Sims this week than Jordan Reed? Yeah, that's a really tough one. He's close. I mean, Deion Sims. I mean, Ryan Griffin might be in there in consideration. Even Hunter Henry caught a touchdown last week. Charles Clay. All those guys are. It's going to be really tough calls in fantasy playoffs, fantasy championship week. This is here in week sixteen. Let's move on to the waiver wire portion of the show, though, DVR, uh, all fab recommendations. I mean, we don't really make fab recommendations anymore. It's use it or lose it at this point here. Um, percent owned figures, I took these kind of late in the Monday night football game. Those are going to obviously change a little bit from when I took them um, based on those first-come, first-served leagues. There are no bye weeks in Week 16, of course, but uh, a heads-up, all but four games are happening on Saturday this week. There's a Thursday night game, then all the Saturday games, then two Christmas Day games, and one Monday night football game. So very unique slate for uh for championship weekend here but quarterback department last week it was mostly a two quarterback league summary and it's going to be the same this week Uh, i think the biggest story that comes up is tom savage winning the houston starting job uh it's going to take over for brock osweiler uh you know finishes with games against cincinnati at tennessee looking at him in two quarterback leagues at all i don't have any situations where i need to make a move in a league like that but i think if you're looking at savage compared to the alternatives He's probably second on my list for this week. I think Matt Moore comes out first. The only real concern with Matt Moore is that you have a Miami team going on the road to Buffalo. You expect bad weather in Buffalo this time of year. Lake effect storms could be in play. Cold temperatures, wind, all the above may be factors. That's the one thing that kind of leaves me, I don't know, like lukewarm on Moore. But this is a group of players in general, the quarterbacks you're looking at, that you're, you're not... You're not putting these guys in with high expectations. You're putting them in because you have a QB2 otherwise that is dinged up or has just a terrible matchup. Yeah, and a lot of those ter- terrible matchups are uh, tough to come by this week. I mean, people, you, you generally fade quarterbacks against the Broncos. They've got the Chiefs, and you probably weren't really starting much Alex Smith anyway. Uh, you know, that type of situation here. But uh, I do agree. I'm a little concerned that the Matt Moore stat line from last week, though, can be largely attributed to the matchup against the Jets, a pass defense that has struggled most of the year. Moore did throw four touchdowns here, but is, is any of that matchup related? He's going to have much tougher sledding in Buffalo. Yeah, I think it's a big part of it. I mean, we've seen the Jets struggle throughout this season, so I, I don't really, I don't really grade that as a great performance in the sense that he he didn't accomplish it against a defense that he really had a lot of respect for. I mean, the Jets are another team, much like Atlanta, where you'd pick on them, you'd stream waiver quarterbacks against them at some points this season if you're in a situation to do it. So, I, I think Moore's a competent backup. He's been in Miami for a long time. It's his first year at Adam Gaze's system because he's a new head coach, but. Ultimately, I think he's got good rapport with Jarvis Landry, Deion Sims, some of the guys that have been in that roster for a couple of years. And uh, he'll be at least ample if you have to roll him out there. Yeah, absolutely. And then uh, the other two quarterbacks I had listed here, guys, you probably don't want to start in any situation, but RG3 is going to keep his starting job Saturday against the Chargers. They've been somewhat favorable over the course of the year, mostly due to injuries against opposing quarterbacks. There's RG3, Sean Mannion, uh, an outside candidate to start for LA if Jared Goff doesn't clear concussion protocol. I mean, that's mostly like your dollar scratch off or your darts in, in a GPP, if if that. I mean, that, that's, a, that's real tough sledding there. But 
overall, I mean, it, we're not looking to stream too many people because if you're in the championship game, chances are you've got at least one good quarterback on your roster. And, uh, and Stake, who are you trotting out at quarterback? I'm just curious. I've got Breeze and Brady to choose from because oh, wow. uh, when Brady had that suspension, he was cheap in the auction. Mm-hmm. I was price enforcing. Yep. Got stuck with him in some ways, but I knew at the time so I'll either flip one of these guys once Brady's suspension is over, or I'll just take those total points off the board for somebody else and mm-hmm. feel pretty good about what I'm doing at quarterback every single week. I, I got it wrong this past week. I, I went with Brady at Denver as opposed to Breeze at Arizona. I thought they were both Ooh. in pretty tough spots and figured with Brady playing really well against Baltimore, that would work out. But it almost cost me. It was a close yeah, game that I, I ran won. away with that matchup with Breeze. I mean, Breeze yeah. had 30 fantasy points this week. Yeah, I wouldn't have sweated it at all with Breeze, but uh, I got it wrong. So that's the only downside of having two good quarterbacks in an auction league like that is you yeah. can leave yourself with a tough decision that's too good of a decision, I guess. Yeah, I'm in the same boat. Uh, I, have, I have two leagues where one league I've been flipping between Mariota and Tyrod Taylor and another championship league I've been flipping between Mariota and Jameis Winston, um, which, you know, you got to start Winston against the Saints this week. But Mariota has an excellent match up in Jacksonville so I think it's looking good for me either way there I was in the kind of punt quarterback group most of those guys outside of Winston were waiver wire pickups here but let's move on to the running backs DVR last week Eric and I discussed Bilal Powell and Kenneth Farrow we can rehash those guys real quick Powell still effective with Matt Forte uh, active and playing a role in the offense yeah I guess I don't really look at the Jets is a team that has any reason to push Matt Forte much uh, this week against New England or in Week 17 if he remains part of the the active roster for these next two games. Uh, the interesting thing about a guy like Kenneth Farrow, you know, thinking about how much he struggled this week. He lost a fumble. He wasn't very efficient. Ronnie Hillman was better on a per carry basis uh, with the Chargers matchup against the Raiders. They get the Browns this week. So if you give Kenneth Farrow 15 carries again this week. You feel pretty good about his chances of getting 60 yards, probably more. I mean, four yards a carry seems like a floor right now against Cleveland. And if he finds the end zone, it's a good week. So the biggest question with Farrow is, even though he was a disappointment last week, if you picked him up, how much more do you like him against the Browns, and do you trust him enough to use him? Well, what I was going to ask is, if you have Kenneth Farrow, you were disappointed with what he did last week, and you have the opportunity to pick up Ronnie Hillman, do you think Ronnie Hillman, at least with that somewhat veteran experience, you know that he can catch the ball out of the backfield like he did in his Denver days, is that even a dilemma between Farrow and Hillman? Would you bench Farrow for Hillman? I think I would play Farrow over Hillman if I had both, and the main reason for it is I, I don't know if the Chargers look at Ronnie Hillman as a player they want to have him around beyond this season. Kenneth Farrell might be the guy they look at as a backup or the third stringer behind Melvin Gordon for next year, and, mm-hmm. and to evaluate him properly, you know, you're a team that's not going to the playoffs, you might as well give him, you might as well give Kenneth Farrow another 15 to 20 carries this week and just kind of see what he does to see if you really like what he looks like against the NFL defense. Yeah, and absolutely. That Browns matchup, they're giving up the fourth most uh, fantasy points to running backs in PPR formats, the second most fantasy points to running backs in standard formats. So regardless of who's back there, I mean, I think we can agree it's a long shot. Melvin Gordon gets back this week again. Maybe you want to watch the injury report there, but uh, you're we're going to throw out a couple guys that maybe you would consider if they're still out there on the waiver wire picking up over someone like that. Uh, one, I wasn't going to include him, but I saw Ty Montgomery's only owning 58% of ESPN and 60% of Yahoo leagues. I mean, nobody's trying to hide it anymore. He's a running back and a dang good one if you need an RB2. Yeah, for sure. I'd feel pretty comfortable throwing him back out there. You know, it's a tougher matchup this week against Minnesota than it was last week against Chicago. 
of the aspects of the Minnesota defense, the run defense is the weaker part of, of that defense as a whole. I mean, you could throw on them a little bit, but it's not great because Xavier Rhodes, Terrence Williams have been really good in the secondary. The pass rush is solid, but you can kind of offset that a bit by running the ball effectively. Very optimistic about the Packers' offensive line. Mm-hmm. I think Montgomery sets up as a solid RB2 flex play for this week. Um, certainly not expecting a repeat of what he did last week, but he might be able to get you 15 carries, 65, 70 yards, catch a few balls out of the backfield. So I think the floor is probably 9 to 10 fantasy points for him right now. Yeah, I'm, no, I'm seeing like a 15 to 5 split between him and Christine Michael. I don't think Christine Michael is going to bring in anywhere close to a true timeshare anytime soon. And Montgomery played, and he played with a lot of heart in that uh, super insanely cold game in Chicago this past weekend. So you know that the weather is not an issue for Montgomery. Deion Lewis had a breakout game, uh, I guess, uh, Sunday in Denver. Now, Denver's got the best pass defense in the league by far, but they've been hit by uh, running backs on occasion. Deion Lewis, 43% owned in ESPN, 48% in Yahoo. 18 carries for 95 yards against Denver. Is he on your radar? A little bit. I mean, if, if I guess in the leagues I plan, he's not available, even though he is available in half of them. Mm-hmm. The question is, do you expect him to get 18 carries in a game? ever again. I mean, I'd, yeah. I'd see him as more of a James White type player. Mm-hmm. I had no idea they were going to run him as much as they did. It was one more carry than the Garrett Blunt was given mm-hmm. in a pretty tough, low-scoring matchup. I like him against the Jets because if they're blowing out the Jets, I mean, I assume the Patriots will because it's at home especially, mm-hmm. they're going to have to run somebody. And I think they do like running Lewis more than they like running James White. Yeah. And they might want to save LeGarrette Blunt. maybe. For, uh, is it too early to think about saving for the postseason? I mean, someone like LeGarrette Blunt has been a huge part of their playoff offensive game plan the last few years. Some of his biggest career games have been in the postseason for New England. So instead of giving him the ball 30 times, maybe you can give 12, 15 of those to the Lewis-White combo, and maybe 10, 12 of those goes to Lewis. I think that's a logical way to break it down. Yeah, you want to probably take some of the wear and tear off of Blunt, a much more physical back than, than Lewis and uh, than James White. So I think that certainly makes sense. Yeah, Duke Johnson is back too. That's making a, a little bit of a surge with RG3 at the helm, around in 51% of ESPN, 56% of Yahoo leagues. I mean, he's a decent play in PPR formats, at least based on the target count he's getting. Yeah, I mean, he's he's okay. I, I just think your your ceiling might be that of, I don't know, 11 or 12 fantasy points at the, at the most. And then I think your floor is more like five. So... Yeah. It's it's not bad. You could you could do worse, but compared to the other backs we've talked about so far, I mean, I like Montgomery, Lewis, and even Kenneth Farrow mm-hmm. more than Duke Johnson for this week. Yeah, one last back I want to talk about, and well, I guess there's uh, we already discussed Hillman, but uh, one other guy that I've put more in honorable mention territory because it's very dependent on a few things happening. Now I don't know exactly what the Cowboys' plans are for the last two seasons, but if the Giants somehow lose their Thursday night game against the Eagles. Maybe Dallas will have that division in hand. They might still want to play for the number one seed. But do you see Darren McFadden getting any more carries than normal behind Ezekiel Elliott? Not only a factor of want to rest rest for the playoffs a little bit, but McFadden getting healthier and maybe a little more involved in the offense? Yeah, I think they would want to make sure he can take uh, the wear and tear being the backup, have him ready to go, make sure he's the guy they want active on game day in the playoffs because if something were to happen to Zeke in a playoff game, you want to make sure you've got the right back out of McFadden and Morris active. If you don't have both of those guys active, you got to make that decision before the game begins. So mm-hmm. I think with that, getting a look at McFadden makes more sense. But again, it does depend on what happens in Thursday's game. Is that the only game that impacts seeding for the Cowboys? As far as I know, yeah, because with Washington losing, you know, they're already 
well behind the Giants in terms of that. So I don't know if that's the Seattle game might impact seeding a little bit against Arizona, I think, because they're, it's going to be Seattle and Dallas kind of duking it out for the number one seed in the NFC. So that, that might have a little bit of something to do with it. But the Giants game, I know, has the most to do with it here. I mean, is McFadden the backup to, like, if your league plays week 17 and you own Ezekiel Elliott, do you go ahead and get his backup just in case he rests in the 17th week? Yeah, absolutely. I think Darren McFadden is definitely worth stashing away for Zeke owners just so you have that built-in insurance policy. Uh, if the Cowboys clinch and they decide, hey, it's a good idea to, to rest our workhorse back. Mm-hmm. I mean, talk about preventing the rookie wall. That, that's ideal. Whether or not you believe it exists, resting a player is always a yeah. good idea this time of year if you can do it. Yeah, I tweeted this last night, but I uh, am facing Ezekiel Elliott in two championship games this week. So um, maybe part of me in the back of my head is hoping uh, they, they take it easy with his workload a little bit and maybe he doesn't have that regular ceiling here. But uh, I'm also probably going to throw some DFS lineups with him just to kind of hedge my bet and keep my sanity uh, here going here. But let's go to wide receivers DVR. Last week, Eric and I talked about Robbie Anderson, who came through with four for 80 and a touchdown. We also discussed J.J. Nelson, who went through and uh, had another touchdown in this game. I mean, uh, this Arizona situation is so tough to hash out, and they got Seattle this week, so I'm not quite sure I'm starting J.J. Nelson in any formats outside of a low-end flex. I do like Nelson a little bit because the target volume jumped up a little. I mean, I think that might have something to do with Michael Floyd being waived one less secondary option yeah. behind Larry Fitzgerald. John Brown even got some more looks this past week here. Yeah, I forget if it was Brown or Nelson. I saw one of those guys drop what would have been a long yeah. TD catch. I want to say it was Nelson, yeah, Nelson in the fourth yeah. quarter. Mm-hmm. Balled on the sideline, and it, he would have been home free. It would have been like a 50- or 60-yard TD. He just mm-hmm. dropped it. Uh, I think of the two, I still like Nelson just a little more than John Brown. We've seen John Brown struggle with hamstring injuries, and mm-hmm. uh, the sickle cell trait was something that was brought up as something that he's, he's been dealing with throughout this season. It's caused some, some illness for him. So I'd rather play Nelson if I had to pick from two Arizona receivers, and I, I do like him enough to use him perhaps as a wide receiver three this week. Yeah, yeah, most definitely someone to consider here. And, of course, Robbie Anderson's a little bit uh, more wishy-washy here because of the whole uh, Bryce Petty situation. I don't know if he'll be uh, – I mean, he get, he just got hammered by the Dolphins, that, that wake and sue sandwich there. So, uh, you know, Anderson's someone that you look towards more or less if uh, Bryce Petty's the quarterback. But it looks like it's just a uh, chest bruise. For uh, Bryce Petty, uh, it was originally feared that he maybe suffered some lung damage, but uh, things checked out all right. We don't know yet if he's going to play this week, so it's kind of a big question mark. I, I don't know how much faith I'd put in Robbie Anderson. But another guy I do want to look at, that he's someone that has made a bunch of appearances on this waiver wire podcast, as in, is it finally time to drop him? Can we pick him up? It's Tyler Lockett at the Seahawks. Now, he's only owned in 24% of ESPN and 43% of, of Yahoo leagues, but he finally drew a start in two wide receiver sets, and he ended up with seven catches for 130 yards and a touchdown on a team high eight targets whether or not you start him against Arizona is it's something that remains to be seen but he's someone that you might want to take a look at stashing in keeper leagues because maybe next year he has the year that we all thought he'd have this year yeah the PCL injury he had earlier in the year I think was a factor I think that I think that took down the number of snaps he was playing I mean he's he's explosive he's a talented player I think the other wrinkle is just how much more will Seattle throw the ball down the stretch and then into next season will they be a more pass happy sort of team earlier in the year Russell Wilson was hurt too I think that also uh, really reduced the overall production of this passing attack so I I do like Lockett a fair amount it's a home match against the Cardinals for championship week Mm -hmm. probably falls in the 30 to 35 range among wide receivers if we're ranking them for Jeff's value meter I think with that 
that's good enough to get into some lineups. It just depends on what you've got. I think for a championship caliber team, he might not be good enough to crack the lineup, but I think for a team to be playing for third place or still pushing for total points, he might be good enough to squeeze into those lineups. So like in a three-wide receiver league that I'm in, it's a keeper league, so I'm lucky enough to have both uh, Mike Evans and Ordell Beckham. My third wide receiver's been... Uh, been rotating between Terrell Pryor, Rashard Matthews, Mohamed Sanu, uh, Dontrell Inman, those types of guys. Does Lockett work his way into that group at all? Yeah, I think it might come down to Rashard Matthews versus Lockett. I mean, I think with Rashard Matthews, he's kind of taken over as that number one receiver mm-hmm. in Tennessee. It's not high volume most weeks, but it's high enough volume where yeah. if they're going to throw two passing TDs, you feel pretty good about Matthews pulling in one and Delaney Walker pulling in the other. He wasn't incredibly efficient last week. I believe he caught like four of ten targets, but still had over 100 yards against the Chiefs defense, and you know that's solid enough to think of uh, a wide receiver three in PPR formats. So, yeah, just to recap that situation, uh, Lockett's someone that, you know, even if I'm not playing for a championship this week and you do get to keep a handful of players and I'm not quite sure on my keepers, yeah, I'd put a dollar bid on Lockett and see if he flies under the radar there because uh, I think he could be a factor next week. Um, honorable mentions, Deontay Thompson had eight catches on ten targets for 110 yards Sunday against the Packers. Uh, another one, Aldrick Robinson of the Falcons, had four for 111 on Sunday with Julio Jones out again. I mean, if you remember Aldrick Robinson, I think he was the preseason's leading receiver. Any interest in either of those options or pretty much brushing aside? I think Deontay Thompson of the two is more interesting because the target volume is more steady. I think with Aldrick Robinson, there's a chance Julio Jones comes back, and even if he doesn't, they still have Gabriel. They still have uh, Muhammad Sanu out there. So it's a little bit more of a, of a busy tree, whereas I feel like Deontay Thompson right now might be the number two guy behind Cameron Meredith or maybe more of a 1A, 1B situation mm-hmm. I mean, with Matt Barkley at the helm. And I know Elshon Jeffrey's yeah. still there too. But that game flow, like Elshon Jeffrey wasn't part of the plan until late in the second half. So until they realized, okay, we need a dynamic receiver downfield if we're gonna move this ball. Yeah, so I just the way Barkley used Jeffrey this week gives me some pause about you know how much he's really going to take over in these final couple of games. They might be looking more at those young guys who they expect to retain with Jeffrey being a free agent. Yeah, I mean when it's all said and done, Jeffrey finished with nine targets in that game, so that's something and you know that Jeffrey's gonna be playing for a contract. So I guess this is this is a reminder to hey Look on your waiver wire. If someone dropped Jeffrey during suspension, I think he becomes a viable play this week. Yeah, I mean, I think he he can be fine. Mm-hmm. I just I was really surprised he wasn't more involved earlier in that game. Yeah, yeah. So that that's the one bit of concern, but yeah, definitely something to look at this week. Got to keep the other owners honest. Let's move on to the tight end position DVR. Where last week Eric and I, the one guy we brought up was Charles Clay because of matchup. And uh, didn't you come out and uh, use Charles Clay and uh, was it Sopa? That's a two tight end league, and uh, got some success there. Yeah, and stake league. I started him over Hunter Henry and Jason Witten, so I made the right call with. Three tight ends. Thanks, Gronk. Yeah, because, well, because Stake League's non-PPR, and, and so otherwise Jason Witten would have had a huge week, I believe. He caught all 10 of his targets on the other night, on, on Sunday night it was. But, uh, but yeah, both Henry and Clay scored touchdowns. I feel like League should be a half-point PPR. Like, full PPR does seem kind of ridiculous, especially when you have guys like Witten that are more like plotters that are they're, they're, they're good players because they help their teams move the sticks, but they're not dynamic guys that... That if if Jason Witten could make bigger plays, he'd catch fewer passes. It, mm-hmm. you know, it's, just one, it's one of those things that I, I just don't like. Ten receptions for fifty yards being worth a hunt, being worth fifteen points like that that seems excessive. Yeah, I just have a problem with like passes that are caught for negative plays minus five minus six yards still resulting in positive points. I think that's the biggest you know anti PPR argument. But you settle that with a half point PPR and it breaks even. 
yeah, I like I like that format a lot better. All right, but other tight ends for the week, uh, I do want to watch uh, Ladarius Screen. He was someone I was pretty high on last week because of the matchup against Cincinnati, but he's now in concussion protocol. I mean, if he doesn't play, I don't think you can really make a big case for starting Jesse James uh, again. But um, who knows? I mean, other I do like Ladarius Green rest of the season if he's out there on the field. Green, I think, has had four concussions in the last two years, so I don't. I mean, I don't know how they could justify putting him back on the field this week, let alone maybe even again this season. Yeah, We'll see where he's at. They said they're going to evaluate him kind of in the scope of only this concussion. So the, right. the thing about it, and Jeff Stotts this all the time on the radio show, the effects of concussions are cumulative, so it takes you longer to recover, often takes you longer to recover from the second, the third, the fourth, as it did when you recovered from the first one. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so speaking of concussions, we've got C.J. Fedorowicz from the Texans who was ruled out uh, last Sunday against the Jaguars with a concussion. And in his stead, Ryan Griffin kind of came out and he came to play, offered a pretty productive PPR day, catching eight all eight of his targets for 85 yards. I mean, if Fedorowicz is out for whatever reason, again, you'll have to watch the practice participation, see if he clears protocol. But Ryan Griffin's got to jump into consideration. I mean, in that league where you mentioned rotating between Henry Clay, Witten, those types of guys, Ryan Griffin, if it were a PPR league at least, would get at least a thought. Yeah, I've seen him get some targets in the red zone, too. I mean, in the Green Bay game, he vultured one from Fedorowicz, had another target in close, too. So it seems like the Texans like what he brings to the table. They don't have proven number two receivers behind DeAndre Hopkins. I mean, Will Fuller is supposed to be that guy, but he's still a rookie. He's been inconsistent. So it just seems like the tight end has a pretty significant role in Houston, and I could see a guy like Ryan Griffin stepping up to actually have Week 16 value. Yeah, I'm looking to pick up Ryan Griffin in one of my championship teams, actually, because it was a league where I drafted Dwayne Allen, thinking he would be a good tight end. Of course, cut him long before his three-touchdown game, and since then I've been rotating between Fedorowicz and Hunter Henry, and uh, I think it's going to be a Griffin week this week uh, going, uh, I mean, the Cincinnati Bengals, I mentioned liking the Darius screen a lot last week because of that Bengals matchup but you look at uh Bengals giving up to tight ends second most fantasy points per game to tight ends in standard second most fantasy points per game to tight ends in PPR format so it's a good matchup whether it's uh whether it's Griffin or Fedorowicz this week lastly you kind of alluded to it earlier in the show but Deion Sims all four of his targets for 31 yards and two touchdowns Saturday against the Jets with Matt Moore at the helm is he all of a sudden in consideration he would be, but I'm trying to figure out who I'd be playing him over. You know, like what's the what's the swap there? Like what, what's the level? How 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 far down do I have to be? Because mm-hmm. I mean, if you're looking at what about me? Like who's got a pick between Griffin Fedorowitz or Hunter Henry? Does he get bumped ahead of either of those guys? Hunter Henry gets the Browns, but he has to share with Antonio Gates, so that puts a little bit of a damper but I I think I'd still I think I'd take Henry over Sims yeah I I think Sims would be maybe a fringe top 20 candidate so you'd have to be in a deeper league where people are hoarding tight ends to consider using him but it is possible to make a championship without a steady tight end all season though I don't necessarily advise it I mean hey you're you're just the case for that as well with Gronk being in your stake league title game right yeah Gronk I mean that's that's the thing I I'm kind of streaming tight ends and Mm -hmm. hoarding them also, so it's been kind of a, a mess over the last few weeks. But I wouldn't play Sims over, yeah, I wouldn't play him over Hunter Henry. I wouldn't play him over Witten because I've, I've got that going. Even even in a non 
PPR setting. So I, I think he's top 20, probably more of a DFS GPP sort of consideration at this point. I gotcha. All right, well, let's take a look at streaming defenses before we wrap up here. That's something that a lot of championship teams like to do. Uh, the first question we ask when thinking about streaming defenses Who's got the Browns this week? And that's the San Diego Chargers, but that's maybe a little bit sketchy with the Browns trying to play to at least win a game and the Chargers being the road team in this one. Can you see yourself streaming the Chargers? Yep, I could definitely see myself trying that. Uh, I feel like they're a viable option. I mean, the Browns turn the ball over. They allow sacks. They do everything that you want a team to do if you're streaming a defense against them. It's why they've been such a great target all season. Uh, The next one down that I at least have to think about is actually using San Francisco's defense against the Rams. I mean, if they start Sean Mannion at quarterback, yep, that's a pretty good setup for a defense to tee off on a player. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, we saw what uh, what other teams can do with these quarterbacks. I mean, the over-under on this game is 40. Somehow the Rams are minus 3.5-point favorites based on what I'm looking for right now, but not very often will we advise streaming a 1-13 team's defense in the fantasy championships, but I do I do like the point that you make uh, with the Rams situation there. The other one I look at, the availability might not be as much there, but the Titans on the road in Jacksonville. Jacksonville is an absolute mess. Blake Bortles can't get anything done, so it's worth maybe checking on the Titans' availability because they've been playing pretty well and uh, could be a streaming defense candidate yeah i'd go chargers titans niners if those are the three options there's probably some other ones in the, in the middle of the pack that mm-hmm. you can consider as well but just don't completely overlook san francisco as a somehow useful defense this week yeah and you can check that out in our streaming defense article on rotowire which will be posted later in the week well that's going to wrap things up for today's episode of the rotowire fantasy football podcast of course remember to check out rotowire free for 10 days by going to rotowire.com slash pod that's rotowire.com slash pod once again i'm jake latarski uh, you can find me on twitter at jakeski 52 i'm derek van riper you can find me at derek van riper all right, the Rotowire Fantasy Football Podcast. Are we taking a break for the holidays, DVR? Are, we, are, we, are they coming back tomorrow? <laughs> uh, we'll be back tomorrow. I think next week is the week where we're going to be a little thinner on episodes. All right, but uh, thanks for listening to us all year, and good luck in those uh, fantasy football championships. They're going to kill the love of my life Daisy! if I don't go back to what I was doing. This Friday. Our line of work is quite brutal and quite ruthless. How far would you go for love? You steal truck, bring it to me. Then you make your money. Is it dangerous? Of course it's dangerous! Nicholas Holt, Felicity Jones, with Ben Kingsley and Anthony Hopkins. All this trouble, all this pain, for love. Collide, in theaters Friday. Rated PG-13, may be inappropriate for children under 13. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring podcasts on the Blue Wire Network. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System yet, then you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. Wherever you are across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE System technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unified, U-N-I-F-Y-D, healing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system.